This is a Socialist News and Views special report. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this holiday special report. Did Oliver Cromwell ban Christmas? According to the Cromwell Museum, quote, there was a ban, but Cromwell's involvement with it is considered peripheral by most historians, end quote. The page dedicated to the question of this Christmas ban at the Cromwell Museum says that while there were rumblings and half-measures about how and when people should pray leading up to it, the first official ban came on Parliament's monthly day of prayer and fasting three days before Christmas in 1644. Two paragraphs later, it goes on to say, quote, The outright ban came in June 1647 when Parliament passed an ordinance banning Christmas, Easter, and Whitsun festivities, services, and celebrations, including festivities in the home with fines for non-compliance, although they also introduced a monthly secular public holiday the equivalent of a modern bank holiday instead. The Christmas ban was unpopular. There were riots in Kent and elsewhere in 1647, although some of these may have been an excuse for pro-royalist rebels to cause trouble. A popular ballad, The World Turned Upside Down, was published decrying the ban, end quote. The clamping down on Christmas, according to many, did lead to some protests, and at least one protest song, as mentioned above. The World Turned Upside Down, is an English ballad from the 1640s that protested against this restriction on celebrations and festivities around Christmas time. Leon Rosselson and later Billy Bragg would use this title, The World Turned Upside Down, for a song about the true levelers, also known as the Diggers, and their last stand. We'll talk about the Diggers next, but first let's hear the original The World Turned Upside Down, which most trace to the middle of the 1640s. This song itself was based on the tune of another ballad from the Cavalier or Royalist supporters of the English Civil War, recorded in 1643 and called The King Shall Enjoy His Own Again. Now, here is The World Turned Upside Down. This version was recorded by Maddie Pryor and the Carnival Band in 2009.
goodness to be found Yet let's be content in the times lament You see the world turned upside down To conclude I'll tell you news that's right Christmas was killed at Naseby Fight Charity was slain at that same time Jack to tell a friend of mine Likewise then I roast beef and shrimp English Civil War is typically covered as a fight between roundheads or pro-parliamentary forces and cavaliers or pro-royalist forces, but to give a little more detail on the English Civil War, I went to the newspaper Socialist Outlook, which was published by an association of Trotskyists in the left wing of the Labour Party in the UK. I found it on the Marxist Internet Archive. In early 1993, Tony Venn and Peter Purton, who was on the editorial board of Socialist Outlook, gave a speech and part of Purton's speech was published in Socialist Outlook in August 1993 under the headline, The English Revolution, The Masses Enter the Stage of History. It says in part, quote, In the beginning, the propertied classes were united in opposing King Charles' attempt to impose an obsolete royal absolutism on an emerging capitalist country. But in the process of challenging the monarchy, they unleashed a massive popular movement which initially served as a battering ram for the parliamentary leadership. But this movement quickly came to develop its own political ideas. It began to take the process much further than the property classes wanted to go, end quote. The speech says the most important parts of that movement were radical levelers and the diggers, which it calls early communists. It says when war broke out in the year 1642, the popular masses played a vital role, quote, in town after town, the common people took to the streets to shut the gates against the king's commissioners and to force their local leaders to declare for parliament, end quote. The speech says Cromwell and the other generals were landowners and so were only willing to go so far. While they were willing to confront the monarchy and church, they were not willing to confront property rights in a serious way. And once they had raised a real army, they no longer needed the levelers or other radical popular groups. Some sources hint that the so-called canceling of Christmas was part of a campaign of distraction or to paint the war as being about something else other than what it was understood by the popular movement groups to be at the start of the conflict. But who were these groups? The speech says, quote, The levelers advanced demands which embraced both urban and country masses. If the levelers were best placed because of their strength among the rank and file of the army, they weren't alone. One contemporary counted 199 religious or political sects in 1646. The Seekers and the Ranters were the libertarians of the age. They met in city taverns to smoke tobacco and to experiment in new lifestyles, communal living, free love, and insolence to all authority, end quote. Purton says the diggers who were working under the guidance of a failed draper named Gerard Winstanley were his favorite, and he calls them, quote, genuine early communists, end quote. Unfortunately, the diggers, with their detailed political program, were defeated. But I wanted to take a look at that program now. Here, Clemens Coring reads a brief portion of Gerard Winstanley's The True Leveler's Standard Advanced, or The State of Community Opened and Presented to the Sons of Men. Here's the clip. 
In the beginning of time, the great creator reason made the earth to be a common treasury to preserve beasts, birds, fishes, and man, the Lord that was to govern this creation. But not one word was spoken in the beginning that one branch of mankind should rule over another. Working with covetousness did set up one man to teach and rule over another. And man was brought into bondage and became a greater slave to such of his own kind than the beasts of the field were to him. And here upon the earth, which was to be a common treasury of relief for all, both beasts and man, was hedged into enclosures by the rulers, and the others were made the servants and slaves. And that earth is bought and sold and kept in the hands of a few, whereby the great creator is mightily dishonored, as if he were a respecter of persons, delighting in the comfortable livelihood of some and rejoicing in the miserable poverty of others. They have, by subtle wit and power, pretended to preserve a people in safety by the power of the sword and by large pay, much free quarter, and other booties which they call their own. They get much monies, and with this they buy land and become landlords. And if once landlords, then they rise to be justices, rulers, and state governors. But all this is but a bloody and subtle thievery, countenanced by a law of covetousness, and a breach of the Eighth Commandment. Thou shalt not steal. These landlords have thus stolen the earth from their fellow creatures, that have an equal share with them by the law of reason and creation, as well as they. They are lifted up to be teachers, rulers, and lawmakers over them that lifted them up, as if the earth were made peculiarly for them, not for others. For what are all those binding and restraining laws that have been made from one age to another? What are they but the cords, bands, manacles, and yokes that the enslaved English, like Newgate prisoners, wears upon their hands and legs, by which those Norman oppressors and these their successors from age to age have enslaved the poor people. Take notice that England is not a free people to the poor that have no land, have a free allowance to dig and labor the commons and so live as comfortably as the landlords that live in their enclosures. For the people have not laid out their monies and shed their blood, that their landlords, the Norman power, should still have its liberty and freedom to rule in tyranny. That manifesto goes on to say, in the middle sections, O oh, thou powers of England, though thou hast promised to make this people a free people, yet thou hast so handled the matter through thy self-seeking humor that thou hast wrapped us up more in bondage and oppression lies heavier upon us, not only bringing thy fellow creatures, the commoners, to a morsel of bread, but by confounding all sorts of people by the government of doing 
and undoing. First, thou hast made the people to take a covenant and oaths to endeavor a reformation and to bring in liberty every man in his place. And yet, while a man is pursuing of that covenant, he is imprisoned and oppressed by the officers, courts, and justices so-called. Thou hast made ordinances to cast down oppression, popish, episcopal, self-willed, and prerogative laws, yet we see that self-will and prerogative power is the great standing law that rules all in action and others in words. Thou hast made many promises and protestations to make the land a free nation, and yet at this very day the same people to whom thou hast made such protestations of liberty are oppressed by thy courts, sizes, sessions, by thy justices and clerks of the peace, so-called bailiffs, committees, are imprisoned and forced to spend that bread that should save their lives from famine. And all this because they stand to maintain an universal liberty and freedom, which not only is our birthright, which our Maker gave us, but which thou hast promised to restore unto us from under the former oppressing powers that are gone before, and which likewise we have bought with our money and taxes, free quarter and bloodshed, all which sums thou hast received at our hands and yet thou hast not given us our bargain. O thou Adam, thou Esau, thou Cain, thou hypocritical man of flesh, when wilt thou cease to kill thy younger brother? Surely thou must not do this great work of advancing the creation out of bondage, for thou art lost extremely and drowned in the sea of covetousness, pride, and hardness of heart. The blessing shall rise out of the dust which thou treadest underfoot, even the poor, despised people, and they shall hold up salvation to this land and to all lands, and thou shalt be ashamed. Our bodies as yet are in thy hand. Our spirit waits in quiet and peace upon our Father for deliverance, and if he give our blood into thy hand for thee to spill, know this, that he is our almighty captain, and if some of you will not dare to shed your blood, to maintain tyranny and oppression upon the creation, know this, that our blood and life shall not be unwilling to be delivered up in meekness to maintain universal liberty, that so the curse on our part may be taken off the creation. And we shall not do this by force of arms. We abhor it, for that is the work of the Midianites, to kill one another, but by obeying the Lord of hosts, who hath revealed himself in us and to us, by laboring the earth in righteousness together, to eat our bread with the sweat of our brows, neither giving higher nor taking higher, but working together and eating together, as one man or as one house of Israel restored from bondage. And so, by the power of reason, the law of righteousness in us, we endeavor to lift up the creation from that bondage of civil propriety which it groans under. We are made to hold forth this declaration to you that are the great council, and to you the great army of the land of England, that you may know what we would have and what you are bound to give us by your covenants and promises, and that you may join with us in this work and so find peace. Or else, if you do oppose us, we have peace in our work and in declaring this report, and you shall be left without excuses. The work we are doing is this, to dig up George's Hill and the waste ground thereabouts, and to sow corn and to eat our bread together by the sweat of our brows. And that's the segment of uh, in the center of the Diggers Manifesto. They did go to St. George's Hill, and they were attacked by those in power. 
And we end our episode with this song, which was covered by Billy Bragg, but originally played by Leon Russelson. Here is the Leon Russelson version of World Turned Upside Down. In 1649, to St. George's Hill A ragged band they called the diggers came to show the people's will They defied the landlords, they defied the laws They were the dispossessed, reclaiming what was theirs We come in peace, they said, to dig and sow we come to work the lands in common And to make the waste grounds grow This earth divided We will make whole So it will be a common treasury for all The sin of property We do disdain No man has any right To buy and sell the earth private gain by theft and murder they took the land now everywhere the walls spring up at their command they make the laws to chain us well the clergy dazzle us with heaven or they damn us into hell we will not worship the god they serve the God of greed who feeds the rich while poor folks starve. We work, we eat together, we need no swords. We will not bow to the masters or pay rent to us till we are free. Though we are poor, you diggers all stand up for glory. Stand up now From the men of property The orders came they sent the hired men and troopers to wipe out the diggers' claim, tear down their cottages, destroy their corn. They were dispersed, but still the vision lingers on. You poor take courage, you rich take care. This earth was made a common treasury For everyone to share All things in common All people one We come in peace The orders came to cut them down We come in peace The orders came to cut them down And that's our holiday special report. Happy holidays and happy new year. Solidarity.
This has been a Socialist News and Views special report.